You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. The Flyers made sure to lock up a key piece last week. Development camp is well underway, and hockey continues to inch closer with each passing day. Join us for this edition of the Three Pigeons Podcast. I don't know the song. I forget what it is. That's Doc Emmerich. Like, Scars! Right? <laughs> you gotta no. leave that in. Something like you that. <laughs> hey, everybody. I am your host with the most, Joe Gazarian, and I am personally volunteering to drop Ben Simmons off at the closest Greyhound bus location so he can get the hell out of Philadelphia. Good riddance. You fourth quarter coward. Love that. Love that. <laughs> um, yeah, this, I guess Ben Simmons, a slightly better version of Nolan Patrick for the Sixers. Um, yeah, it's tough. That's going to that's gonna ruffle some feathers. I'm gonna... Actually, you know what? He's not like Nolan Patrick because Nolan Patrick did occasionally shoot. So there's that. <laughs> did he, though? I mean, I, mean... I must have missed those. those... <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I honestly can't even think. Of a single goal. Besides, besides that Montreal the first goal. One. No, besides, well, that one happened like seven years ago. It did. And the the only goal from past this past season that I can remember from him, because what he had two, four goals, I can't even remember, was the yeah. one that hit off his butt from the point shot yeah. from our fearless leader, Eric Gustafson, the ah, game of the oh year. Boy. Bring back uh, the Gus bus. Sign him. Yeah. Sign him to one year. How deal. crazy is that? He, he starts the season with like two points, him being Nolan Patrick, like, shot off his ass and and then like maybe an assist to a secondary probably where he didn't do anything but like okay like you know like good confidence builder yeah like it's always tough when you don't have any points and you ride that for a while like it's nice to see him get on the board early and then he finished the season with like five points in 55 (laughs) games so jesus christ i already love how we've gone down a practice (laughs) rabbit hole within 20 seconds had a lot pent up uh we had some unresolved no i i I think i think there's some parallels to be drawn there between the two. So that's going to be my intro. I didn't even have one ready to go. So you left it unscripted well. and you did not you disappoint. Let nope. me tell you. Um, I'm Mike Zawissa and uh, I'm speechless, to be honest, Joe. Joe <laughs> take it away, Joe. Go ahead. All right. Yeah, we had, we had a pretty funny intro there. So uh, besides my singing, which we'll see if you leave it in or not. It's staying in. Um, oh, great. There we go. Uh, well, before we get into uh, the signing that I mentioned and development camp and, and some kind of, you know, last second around the league stuff. Um, quick word from our sponsor. You guys have heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily, daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grabs. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night, and it's simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports, DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on all the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. 
only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Well, fellas, uh, we had some pretty big news. Mm-hmm. Um, how long ago was it? So we recorded last Wednesday? I think right? we took off last week. No, oh, we recorded last week. No, we did record last week. We took oh. off the week before. Oh. We recorded last week, and I want to say it was, might have been like the next day. Sean Couturier yeah, oh, signed yeah, a, yeah. Yeah. a new deal. Um, Coots, there it is, gentlemen. He is back for eight years. $62 million deal. Uh, annual average of, what, 7.75 mil. Um, there's a modified no trade at the last year. Um, so, you know, at that point, I'm sure he might be, you know, whatever team is hot at eight years from now looking for a cup. They might bring him in as a fourth Flyers, liner baby. or something like that. Flyers, Flyers, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's go Flyers. Um <laughs> But yeah, man, Coots is there. We got our one C locked up. He is good to go for the next eight years. Um, a lot less than I thought. I figured honestly he was gonna come in around eight and a half, maybe nine. So um they did some some bargain hunting here. Um in some of his comments, um Coots, you know, brought up that hey, you know, he wanted a deal that was fair to him and the team and you know, he wants to win a cup. So um sounds like somebody got in his ear and was like, Hey, you know, in order for us to continue to build this thing, you know, it's kind of like the with Tom Brady with the Patriots, you got to take pay cuts. And, you know, I still don't know where the hell all that money went when he wasn't getting paid because nobody was on the Patriots had a name to him. But um, you know, Flyers are taking that approach. I'd be happy with it. You know, if you can get people to to buy in for hometown discounts and that kind of stuff, you're going to need breaks like that on a cup run. But Cooch is he's going to be here for another eight years, probably at least seven years, I would think, um, before that no no move clause clicks in or whatever, and he can decide if he wants to go somewhere else. But what are your thoughts on the deals, gentlemen? I mean, I I don't know how you could look at this in, in any other way than just being impressed by it, I guess, or excited for it. I mean, that's yeah. that's a fair deal, even if Coots, like, just maintains at, like, a 70, 60, 70 point pace, not, you know, factoring in that he could, on a good team, potentially be, like, a 70 to 80 point player, which he's done in the past. You know, not like a very distant past either. So, um, I mean, just from that aspect, it's really good. And then, too, it shows that all the investing in the team and the leadership group that Chuck Fletcher did this offseason paid off. I mean, Sean Couturier probably doesn't sign a deal in the offseason. Like, if he wasn't, you know, in the in the prior offseason, if he wasn't just blown away by these moves in part, too. Mm. Um, in his press conference, he talked about Rasmus Ristolainen a lot, which I thought was interesting. Or, or afterwards, he talked about him or something like that. Like, he just kept talking about Ristolainen. So, I feel like that's a move that all the guys, like, for some reason, that's why they believe the team is now bought in. <laughs> but uh, I don't. I'm not going to argue against it. I mean, it's just, it's good to see that Coots is like, yeah, I'm into. I'm in for the the next eight years. And now the the ball is kind of in G's court with the team, right, to figure out what what their plan is. Yeah, and real quick, Matt, I did. I don't know if I read this, if I heard it, but apparently they're going to table discussions with G till the end of the season. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I think, it's, right, I, I, I think that's good news. I would think it is because they obviously they have more room to work with. Um, and from the beginning, I always thought Coots was going to be the harder one to sign than G. So, you know, I'm not too worried about it. But Matt, go ahead, give your thoughts on the uh, the eight year deal. Yeah, I mean, like Mike said, there's there's no way in in how the NHL and contracts are constructed. 
or just having a basic understanding of that. It, it always bothers me when like the first thing people go to is like, well, he's going to be 30. It's eight years. Like the last two years are going to be terrible for that. Right. It's like the fact that like, that's your takeaway. If that is where your, your first thought of a deal for Sean Couturier under eight is like, you're just looking for something to be mad about. Um, the fact that after he was just being underpaid for the past so many years, he had a six year deal, which he was probably underpaid for at least four of those years. I mean, he just looked at it and said, what's the difference between an extra like two and a half, $3 million. Like when you're making another $62 million to him, the trade off for that amount was worth it to be able to allow to build a competitive team around him. At least that's the way I kind of took his comments about not trying to break the bank. And to Mike's point, too, it's regardless of our thoughts on certain players, obviously the moves that Chuck made this offseason, outside of the obvious Ryan Ellis trade, which I'm sure everyone loves, um, the players are on board. To that point, like he wouldn't be willing to commit at a discount to a team if he didn't think they were heading in the right direction. And on the the Drew front, I mean, he's already made comments that he wants to finish his career here. I think what it comes down to is we have so many UFAs next year. It's more of providing some some flexibility based on how this year goes um, and what G might be willing to kind of come down to from a cap hit wise from his current contract. So I'm not too worried about G. Um, I'm excited to have Coots for another eight years. I mean, people forget. I forgot that he scored 30 plus goals twice. Mm-hmm. in the past couple seasons right and and now with the new influx of cam atkinson potentially on a line with him and drew i mean like mike said I and mean, i wouldn't be shocked if he he could put up an, another 70 80 point maybe even 80 point season so it's funny too matt you, that one thing you mentioned to start the fact that people some people's takeaways like well the last two years when he's 36 and 37 the contract's going to be brutal and blah 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 like we it's actually not going to be because Giroux is on like a more expensive contract and he's is about to expire at what age 37 how i think he's what is he 34 35 i think he's a couple years younger either yeah okay either either way though still like it's like you you generally don't complain about the contracts for your best players kevin hayes yeah maybe by the last year of that contract two years of that contract will be like eh but Sean Couturier, no. Claude Giroux, no. Like, that's just not how it works. And a lot of people brought up a good point that, like, look at his playing style. He doesn't rely on his strength or his speed in terms of how he can be productive for a team. Mm -hmm. It's his hockey smarts. So for a player like that, in terms of how, how well he can age, he can definitely age very well into that contract. And what's the worst case scenario, right, is, like, Eight years from now, God willing, the cap is going up at that point. You would think worst eight case, years would be long enough. Yeah, worst case scenario, like he he's a shut down defensive center on a cup contending Flyers team eight years from now, right? Like, yeah, he might be a little bit overpaid, but at that, that point you have rookies on on smaller deals and it's offset. So, I mean, again, it's people people always can find a way to be negative about something like getting – Sean Couturier at $7.75 million in today's environment is nothing short of an unbelievable deal from Chuck. Yeah, man, it's, uh, you know, he, he was catching some flack too for, um, 
some of the deals he was giving out. Obviously, a lot of some people thought Hart was overpaid, which yeah, he probably was by a little bit. You know, five hundred thousand—that's not the end of the world. Um, you know, Kevin Hayes is a little overpaid, sure, but it's free agent market. What are you going to do? Um, this contract—I mean, he—I thought he did extremely well. He got below market value because I think if Coots goes to the market, you know, he's a Selkie winner. Selkie winner could put up 40, 50 points. Who the hell wouldn't want that on their team? You know, yeah. 60, 70 points. And he's Joe Thornton was still making like what, like yeah. $4 million on contracts up until like this season or whatever. So, yeah, man, it's um, kind of wild to think about, but um, I don't, I don't see this as a negative at all. Um, yeah, 7.75. And like, like Matt said, eight years from now, I have to think the cap will be up. And also by then, I mean, you know, Drew will be retired. You know, Van Riemsdyk will be gone. Like, we'll have a lot of contracts off the books. Maybe, Maybe they have young talent at that now. point. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing, too. You brought up JVR is, like, people complaining about, like, maybe where we are in terms of the cap. It would be extremely simple, easy for us to move JVR next year with one year left. Especially, again, like, I think given the dynamic of this team, like, he's best friends with Cam Atkinson. Like, mm. this is going to be... Proud as... about Cam Atkinson. He's coming off the books, too, in, in two years. Yep. Now there's more money. He's two years? I don't think he's only two years. I think he's caused control for, like, five or six. What? I thought it was, like, two or three years. I'll look it up. But I'm pretty sure... Either way, the point, yeah. the point still stands that, like, we have... Especially going into next season, which... I'll pull a cap friendly just to say, I mean, we have a lot of UFAs going into, into next UFAs, RFAs, I want to say. So we have flexibility and that's again, why Drew is waiting until next season. He kind of wants to see like where the team needs, where do they need to spend money? And then like pretty much based on what he thinks he's worth, like what is he willing to give up? Um, so let me see. Cam Atkinson. Cam Atkinson is four more years left. Okay. I mean, that's not even that bad for him. For the Four years of 5.875. Yeah, exactly. And it looks like Kubel, Joel Farabee's due next year, uh, Morgan Frost, and then Derek Broussard and Nate Thompson come off the books. And then same, we have Ristolainen, Justin Braun, Keith Yandel, Samuel Moran, and Martin Jones. So a lot of people are coming off deals. Um, so there's, I mean, there's more more than enough flexibility to be had. Yeah, and listen, I mean, who the hell knows what what even four years from now is going to look like, five years from now. I mean, hell, <coughs> excuse me, this team could completely bottom out next year, right? I mean, they could completely tank, and guess what? Then everything's on the table, and, and, and pieces are going to be moved left and right. But I think this is uh, – it's a good sign that, you know, one of the you know absolute leaders of the teams, he believes in the direction we're going, um, and that's, that's a great way to get buy-in from everybody else, you know. We talked. I joked about the Patriots, but the reason they were able to get everybody else cheap is because Tom took the pay cut. You know, it's it'd be one thing if he's not taking it. Be like, oh well, the leader's not doing it. Why should I have to do it? Well, one of the biggest leaders on the team has shown that he's willing to take a little less money to be here and, and try and, and win a cup. And you know, I just I think that speaks volume of of the direction we're hopefully heading. Fingers crossed. But um, any last thoughts on Couturier, gentlemen? No, I think we can uh, segue into uh, the future of where this team might be heading. 
Yeah, some uh, some news out of development camp. Um, a lot of goals being scored, um, but it, it did it did it end today. Today was the last day yeah, of it, or was, was it yesterday? Day. Today was the last day. Um, some names that we've heard in the past, some names I kind of forgot about. Um, but I mean, right off the bat, Isaac Ratcliffe. I read that article that that came out, Mike. I think you referenced it in, in the in the notes here. But yeah, I had no idea he had been having some really tough you know, medical issues going on to him. He said he felt like he completely lost his offensive game, but he's found that the last couple months, um, you know, it goes to show that, you know, everybody's fighting demons. We all have stuff going on, uh, but just, you know, may, may not just show it or hear about it a ton. So was happy to hear that he's doing well again. He thanked Jim across and basically saving his life. He said with a collapsed lung. So that kid's been through hell. Um, apparently he also put on like 20 pounds of muscle is what I read. Um, so we'll see, but good news coming out for Isaac Radcliffe, Matt, what did you, uh, what did you take away from, uh, from his development camp? And then, you know, the kind of, obviously we don't really get to watch We're we're all working, but you know, just from the beats notes, anything you picked up on? Yeah. I mean, the interesting comment and I mean, you like to hear this. I mean, obviously it's not going to happen. Just being a, a realist looking at the, the lineup and the number of bodies we have, but he feels he's NHL ready. I mean, I think one of the most exciting things, and we can kind of touch on this in a little more detail in a little bit, is just how how good this AHL team could potentially be. Mm. We're talking about pretty much having all of our high-end prospects playing on the same team, um, which will definitely be fun for fans if we can kind of catch a couple of the Phantoms games or just kind of see and see some of our prospects start to create chemistry at a, at a kind of slightly lower level. So I'm, um, I'm excited to see if he can get back to that OHL form. I mean, we're talking about a person who put up 50 plus in the OHL. I mean, yeah. that's no small feat. Um, and to your point, I mean, he mentioned it in professional hockey. You don't have as much time. So I think he was just kind of getting used to the game and then obviously had that unfortunate injury and he took the time off to, to get up to 225 for a 6'6 person, that's probably a pretty good weight where you're kind of teetering the line of being strong enough while at the same time not being too big and having an impact, um, kind of your speed and agility and things of that nature. So I'm excited to see what he can do at big camp. Um, he thinks he's NHL ready. I mean, I like that he thinks that, but I'm more kind of excited to see if he can prove that he is NHL ready in the AHL this year. Probably biggest uh, biggest couple months of his life coming up here, honestly. Um, you know, like I said, he had a lot of medical issues and stuff going on, but you know, he was highly touted when we when we drafted him. I mean, there was a lot of hype around him, and he kind of died down. And obviously, everything going on, this is a make or break year for him uh, for sure. You're either going to be an AHL lifer or you're going to get to the big leagues. So, Mike, what did you think on uh, on Ratcliffe? Yeah, no, I um, I think that it's. Well, first of all, I didn't realize all the stuff he was he had been through either, Joe. I yeah, it was mad. real quiet. Yeah, you must have put this in here, and Joe, I I didn't re- I didn't read that article either. So big props to him for even getting back to this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's good to hear that he has the confidence to you know <laughs> play the big game at least. But yeah, I would just love to see him have a breakout season in the AHL, or if nothing else, a season where he just looks comfortable and maybe maybe he can hit like 15 goals or 20 goals or something like that in an AHL season I mean that would be that would be incredible um all things considered so 
I don't necessarily think it's make or break, um, like it, for his career, but it it does feel like an important year. I I feel like after the all the Nolan Patrick stuff though, I need to go through like a like I what I just need to phase out injured prospects in my head. Like uh, I think um uh Bill from uh Broad Street Hockey recommends doing that. Bill Matz. Why was I forgetting his last name? Anyway, he's like he's like when it comes to Nolan Patrick, I just phase him out of my mind. Like I pretend that he's not a part of the team, and then if he comes back, it's great. Like that's what he that's the approach. Yeah, he before he he only exists in the abstract. Yeah, so that's kind of where I am with Radcliffe. I'm glad that he emerged from the abstract at 225 pounds, but I it's hard for me to forecast any sort of career for him. I guess. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I wish, I think we all wish him nothing but the best. It's definitely going to be a long shot. Um, I would think he probably has a, I don't know, did he have a better chance at like, at Sam Moran playing wing? What, what, what would you think has a better chance? Sam Moran staying in the NHL <clears throat> or Ratcliffe making it? What What did oh, you think? Uh, I th- if you had to choose right now, which would you think Ratcliffe picked? overall is a, ah. Uh... No, Sam Moran made the NHL, so once you're in, it's hard to it's hard to get out. It's true. Once yeah. you're in, you're in. So, yeah. um, other development camp news: um, the AHL team is going to be stacked. You kind of talked about it, uh, Matt, but uh, Frost obviously could start down there. York could start down there. That's going to really depend on actual training camp, and we'll see if they make any moves. But uh, that second round pick, the Finnish kid, right? Tumola, Tumola, Tumola. Yeah. Uh, Tyson Forster had a hell of a day we can get into that uh, wisdom you know when he's healthy he's done for quite a while right but um yeah. apparently ursan and ustamenko looked pretty good um that that team could be disgusting i mean could be very very good it, it obviously depends if york and frost are down there i mean shit i'm expecting them to be a calder cup contending team because those two players are some of probably the best in the ahl at that point yeah, up there, and at he, least, yeah. I mean, and top then got, ten, and then he got the goalies too. I mean, it's Ustamenko played really well last year before he got hurt. Yeah, um, Son is. I mean, yeah, he's he gets the crazy comparisons. Deal. So, yeah, it's going to be. I'm hoping because I I've seen that Tuamala. There's mentioning of him being able to play in like the OHL, um, or I guess the AHL. Hopefully. I guess it'll, it does depend a lot, I feel like, on how physically mature maybe he is, if they think mm-hmm. he can handle that AHL style just yet without taking that into consideration. Selfishly, I, I'm hoping, just again from like a chemistry standpoint, like the idea of being able to have all those kind of – those prospects who could potentially actually be on the roster in the coming years, the ability for them to begin building chemistry with – future linemates I think is huge um, yeah. not only just for for the future Flyers teams but I think also for like the culture of the Flyers right I think that was a big topic of conversation this offseason sure. um, I can only imagine obviously if all these young kids are becoming best friends and like pushing each other and wanting to make it to the next, next level that's only uh, something that can benefit the Phantoms and obviously the Flyers in the future so I'm Great, excited man. for that we got another dry island coming thanks buddy appreciate it <laughs> no I agree. Uh, it's, you know, there's something about um, kind of like, I don't know about you guys, but like, I remember my first job ever, like going through that. Like I'm still friends with people from my first job 
and it's kind of you just kind of go through stuff together you go through you know through hell together and you just, you get a special bond so i gotta think it's pretty similar with with hockey right you know yeah everybody gets drafted by a team you're in camp together you get to know one another you share things in common and you develop a, a strong bond that hopefully you know carries over to the nhl if everybody makes it which we all know everybody won't um saw some familiar faces by the way on the ice i saw uh our boy Stewie was out there. I didn't know Danny Breer was out there, but I saw the picture of uh, of Stewie out there helping coach the kids. Um, does he make a uh, a, a spot on uh, LaPerriere's bench? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe video coach or something like what Lappy did. Um, oh, boy. But, uh, yeah, it's good to Be see some out familiar faces. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, uh, I mean, he's at that uh, – what is it, Vermont or Maine? He's like the yeah, GM the for – yeah, there he's obviously being groomed to become an NHL GM. Um, I don't, I don't know if it'll be for the Flyers. I mean, obviously, if Chuck continues to kill it and he's doing pretty well this offseason compared to last one, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts to get interviews, you know, pretty soon. Um, maybe Montreal finally kicks Burger Van to their side of the road and they give Danny a shot. Who knows? I know they hate him now, but Danny was given um, a, a one-on-one like session to uh, Morgan Frost. The Good. They are very yeah. similar players. And yeah. 48 and 48, right? Cool I see. mean, they're very similar players. Same kind of same kind of size. And, and obviously, I think Danny Breyer is like one of the most skilled players I've ever seen in my life. So I wouldn't yeah. go that far. But um, yeah, it was fun, fun to see. Uh, fun to see the fellas. Let me ask you real quick, just for fun. If you could have another former NHL flyer out at development camp, who would you pick? If you could have another another ghost from the past. Peter Forsberg out there teaching people. Ooh, that's, that's, a that's a good one, Mike. Uh, I was gonna say Yager. If you, if you Yachts, go like yeah. a, a one a one year, one year. yeah, but that he one would, year was special. I mean, he would special. super glue ankle weights to every prospect. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, that's a good one. So uh, Forsberg, Yager. I would go. Um, hmm. I'd go Kimo Timonen. I knew you bring me in some Kimo. Or Pronger. He's, he's, or Pr- Pronger would be really good, too. That way we um, could be like the Montreal Canadiens and have four Prongers. On exactly. Four, All four the kids Prongers would be they'd be too scared end. of Pronger, though. I honestly think I would everybody be, would be a little frightened. I would be frightened. petrified to yeah. do anything in front of Chris Pronger. Yeah. I, I'm sure he's mellowed since his playing career, but, I mean, he's he's just still kind of a dick. Like, you know, that's yeah. his thing. So, uh, never change Prongs. I love you, buddy. Um that's just a little fun thing. I want to wrap up here in the next couple of minutes with just give me some takeaways from development camp. Obviously development camp just finished today on, what is it? Wednesday, the first we got rookie camp next. And then there's the actual final regular training camp for, for the rest of the players. So it's going to be here before you know it guys, you know, we're, we're going to be gearing up to watch the flyers, you know, in the next couple of weeks, uh, especially with, with preseason and everything. But I think the first Jimmy's... game is like in the, the 23rd or the 25th, maybe. All right. So literally like three weeks away. We're, we're really Love getting it. there now. Um, but I want to give me a player from um, from development camp that you were impressed with. Or, you know, I, again, we didn't get to watch a lot of this, but we got to read a lot of it. So um, give me a player you were impressed with. Matt, let's go with you first, buddy. Go ahead. I'll go with uh... – with the Finn, our one and only Finn. I need um, more Finns. I want yeah, more. We do. I agree. But yes, I mean, again, like Joe mentioned, obviously this is not from much watching. I will like, I would like to kind of 
watch some videos and see what I can see in terms of the style of player Tuamala is. Um, obviously, based on everything that's been described and some some highlight videos that that I watched following the draft, he is something this prospect pool has been desperately kind of lacking for a number of years, and that's someone with potentially like game breaking speed. Um, and then he's kind of that offensive first type of player, right? So like even with Forrester in the prior year, he was kind of that first, first shoot first mentality type of player that we've drafted in a while. So it's nice to see with this new management that we're not only defaulting to two way kind of centers, right? It's nice to potentially see an influx of, of that speed and kind of higher end talent. And from a couple of things I've read, I can't remember who it was. It was one of our, one of our scouts mentioned he's that every time he watches him play, he's the type of player that kind of gets you out of, out of your seat every time he touches the puck. Mm. So it would definitely be nice to have uh, potentially have a player like that in the flyers in a flyers Jersey, because we haven't had one in quite a while like that. Um, he mentioned uh, to Amala himself that he wanted to work and focus on working on his defensive game a bit. Um, they did a couple kind of small area drills and apparently he had a nice couple nice pickpockets of some players. So it seems like, again, it's, it's treading that line of, you don't want to change the style of player he is, mm. right? If he's offense first and he has this game breaking speed and skill, you want him to rely on that and kind of have that be his game. But mm-hmm. at the same time, obviously you don't want him to be a lazy defensive player. So it's nice to hear him kind of mention focusing on his defensive gaming, wanting to work on that. But again, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see where he ends up. Hopefully it's the AHL and then kind of what he can, uh, where he may stand in his development curve, if he's closer to NHL ready, or if he's still a couple years away based on his, his size. No, I, I agree. Um, I wasn't joking. I do want more fins on this team. I think uh, I, I, I've said it a thousand times. I think we have too many Canadians as, as much, you know, as good as they are at hockey and they are the best still for now. I think there's a lot of countries that are, that are coming on strong and, you know, we've had some fun Finnish players, Kapanen, Tamanen, you know, I would like to see some more come over. Obviously they've produced some really good goalies in the past too. Ninamaki wasn't unbelievable, but he was all right. Um, I'm going to go with Tyson Forster. That guy, dude, he can rip it, which I remember that's, that was the thought coming out when we drafted him. I was like, Hey, we'll see. Um, I was just scrolling Twitter before we hopped on. He had five goals in the three on three scrimmages today. So he, I don't, I don't even know who was in goal, but they were just getting picked apart. Um, then I was, I was able to watch, um, a couple of videos on Twitter from, from the beats of him just ripping shots. And like, not only is his shot fast, it just seems so heavy Yeah, that yeah. it's just like, you know, it's one of those things, like even if the goalie's is able to grab it, he's going to be, his hand is going to be so bruised after saving it. He's going to be like, Oh fuck. That really hurt. Um, I can't think of the last Flyers player that had a release or a the, the heaviness of the shot. Gudis had a really heavy shot. I remember the goalie saying it like Jesus, he's, he couldn't fucking hit it. But if he did hit the goalie, they're like, oh my god, it was heavy as hell. Like the heaviness reminds me a little bit of Radko, but I don't know where he gets that release and, and the accuracy from. I can't remember. I mean, Farabee's pretty accurate. He, he's even Wade Allison. Uh, you know. He's got a great shot, but mm-hmm. um, we got to see in limited games when he played, he's able to pick some corners. Yeah, but um, his, I, I agree with what you're saying. His is like a quicker shot. Yeah. 
like he snaps it whereas like forster really just whips the puck like yes he did that one drill where he circled around the cone up top yeah. and there's wired a wrist shot and he like moved the net like it, yeah. it went bar down just like shook the net backwards i don't know what forearms like dan ugla about that no yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know what you're supposed to do he's got crazy torque his shot is somehow heavy and fast um, which the, usually that be the title of the episode he's got crazy torque um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah man it's uh it's impressive i'm really excited i i think it was last episode i gave him an outside outside shot i was like hey you know you never know you could be a guy that i think gets a long look um just because of his his goal scoring nature and he's physically ready and he's a big guy yeah can, I, mean, I think he can handle nhl you know hits imagine a guy like Atkinson or, or TK goes down in the season and you need yeah. to call up a guy for the top six or something like that who can fill the net, I wouldn't be opposed to them being like, hey, this dude's got an NHL shot. Let's see if he can put like, it on the put it in the slot in the power play, baby. Yeah. Fill that net. No, that's a good pick. Yeah, he, he's mine. Mike, uh, go ahead and, uh, and, and round us off here. We're almost done here. Well, I mean, you boys loved... The, uh, the news about him so much last time we recorded. So I'm going to go with my guy, Jackson Vandalist again. Vandalist. He, uh, he earned a rookie camp invite uh, due to his efforts in development camp. He's undrafted, unsigned, right? Yes. Yeah. He, uh, he wasn't playing he's, around. He's apparently he's physical, Myers. mobile, um, you know, maybe he doesn't have the most offensive upside, but for 6'6 six, six, uh, and 225 already at this point, like... And for a guy that gets like, oh, yeah, like I could see, you know, a lower end Ryan McDonough type of mm. stay-at-home defenseman who can still move, like I'll take a chance on that any day. So good to see him get the invite to rookie camp. It does remind me of um, Phil Myers and Yegor Zamula those two years where it was like each step of the way, the Flyers would like give him the next offer instead of just giving like outright offering them to to, to the big camp. So I'm, I'm pulling for the kid, but and I mean, it's. I don't know. This Flyers have had success with this in the past, so this seems like a layup, but we'll see. I'm going to keep calling him like Dutch Vanderlyn by accident for you. Oh, yeah. Red Dead Redemption Dutch. fans. Dutch. <laughs> All right now, Dutch. Yeah, I'm going to keep calling him Dutch. That's got to be his nickname, right? It's just got to be Dutch. Yeah. It's just got to be done with. Yeah. Um, not Dutchy. Just no, Dutch. just Dutch. I'm hoping for that, actually, now. So there we go. You know what? You're welcome. All, All Flyers <laughs> fans are welcome. That's his nickname moving forward. Um, hey, if he impresses it at the rookie camp, you know, I, I would not be shocked they give him an entry level deal. Um, why not, right? That combination of of skill and size, and yeah, he might not bring offensive, you know, his offensive offensive upside might be insane, not be insane, I should say, but you know, that's why they got that Emil Andre. You know, you have, you've got good balance. You've got other prospects that can bring more offensive, uh, you know, skill. So we will see. All right, gang. Well, that's going to do it for us, uh, for Matt, for Mike, for myself. Ben Simmons, don't let the door hit you on the way out. And Damian Lillard, I'll take you to Steve Prince's Stakes or or whatever the hell you want. You, you name it, I'll take you. I don't care. Just get here, please, for the love of God.